I'm a local loan officer in West Palm Beach, Florida. I've been in the mortgage industry for the last eight years. I've worked in the industry throughout the country. I've closed over a thousand loans during my career, so I've seen it all. I'm on a mission to make mortgages both entertaining and educational. Welcome to Lending with Leah. This is the podcast for anyone thinking of potentially owning, in the process of buying, or who even owns their own home. Typically, at this point, I have a lovely little magic button that I press and some like really pretty fairy noise <laughs> comes on in the background. To me, it's like sparkle, sparkle, bright, happy, yay, yay. But today's episode is going to have a much more serious note to it and is definitely much more near and dear to my heart than some of our other episodes also, anyone who's watching, I decided for this one that because we're getting into a little bit more of a emotional, touchy topic, I wanted to be comfy. So I am sitting here in PJs on the couch because this felt uh, like a much more real environment, I guess, to kind of have this talk and conversation than... Uh, my typical, you know, sitting, very professional. I got my big, my brick backdrop. Being on the couch, nice and comfy, just feels more at home to have this conversation. And at this point, you guys might be wondering, okay, get on with it. What are you talking about? Like, I want to know. Divorce in real estate. Or breakups in real estate. Or abuse in real estate. We're really going to pick this apart because at the end of the day, when you get married or you're with a significant other, marriage or not, and you guys decide you want to purchase a home together, maybe you want to move in together and you're like, you guys have this dream, you want to buy a home together, you think it's forever, and then... Something happens, comes, knocks you upside the head, and now you're in a breakup situation, a divorce situation, a harmful situation, but you got real estate mixed into this, and you have your home mixed into this, and that's, that's challenging. So today's episode is going to be all about this divorce, breakups, domestic violence, and how that fits within the world of real estate. I'm going to share a little bit of my own personal story, which I have shared uh, a little bit in some other episodes, but it feels very fitting for this one. And then I'm going to share a couple stories of things that I've uh, experienced from the loan officer side of things as well as get, in some te- get into some technicals about how divorce actually works with your loan, um, you know, some of the nuances with that. And then I'm going to end by giving you guys some different tips for navigating this tough, emotional, transitional part of life and um, <laughs> navigating it with real estate. So I'll start with, with my story 
I am a domestic abuse survivor. I am a divorcee. Yay! <laughs> divorce party. I actually did have a divorce party when I when my divorce was actually official. I had friends who took me out to a restaurant and the whole like staff of the restaurant got me a card. It was a happy birthday card, but instead of happy birthday, they crossed off the birthday and they put happy divorce day. And they all signed it, and then they all sang to me, and they brought me out, like, a cupcake with a candle. Like, it was my birthday, but it was divorce day. And the reason we celebrated was, again, because I was in a domestic abusive relationship, and getting out of that and finally being free was such an incredible turning point and celebration in my life. But... This episode is specifically on the real estate aspect. When I got married, and I was young when I got married, you guys. I was 21 when I got married. Oof. I think about it now and I'm like, good God, what was I doing? But live and learn. Got married young. I was living out in Arizona. And then me and my ex-husband decided to go to North Carolina where we ended up purchasing our first home. And when I say we, I mean me. <laughs> so I'd been working in the mortgage field and industry for a couple years at this point as a loan processor. And when we decided we wanted to get a home, and we had some different things to consider. Uh, you know, first was that his credit was just awful. Uh, so it just, it made more sense to have just me on the loan. And I am so, so, so beyond thankful that I ended up just having me on the loan. So even though we were married, the down payment was saved by me. The loan was just in my name based solely off of my income which I'll get to that point later because that was absolutely a incredible miracle, in my opinion, that, I don't know, just happened to, uh, I want to say I strategically planned it, but I don't think so. I think just by the, the grace of God, it happened in this way that, I purchased a home that I knew I could afford on my own. Even though I was married, I knew I could afford this home and this payment with just my income. And at the time, I was always, well, if something happens to you, I want to make sure we don't lose our home. Little did I know that me being able to afford that home on my own was actually... Um, a safety thing or gave me the ability to be able to securely and financially leave that abusive relationship. So I got this home and in the state of North Carolina, North Carolina is actually a marital state. And what that means is that even if only one person's on the mortgage, the spouse is 
also supposed to be on the deed of the home and have ownership interest in it. But when the day came for closing, the title company and my lender missed adding my husband to the loan, to the deed. His name was never on anything and it never got caught and it never got corrected. And again, by the absolute grace of God, because when I got out of the situation and out of the marriage, and I remember my ex-husband had left the home willingly, and I went to go see a attorney with my dad, and I'm like, I, I don't want him in the home. Like, I am in fear of my life. He had pulled a gun on me. He had threatened to kill me numerous times. He told me in gruesome detail how he wanted to kill and torture me, amongst many, many other things. And I remember sitting down with the attorney, and I'm like, what, what can I do? I'm like, she goes, well, it's the marital home. And I'm like, yeah, but he left, and he willingly left, and I have it on camera. And she's like, well, is he on the deed? I'm like, no. And she's like, no. And I'm like, no, he's not on anything. My lender, the title company, no one had him sign anything. His name is not anything. And she goes, well, then, because he willingly left the marital home and because his name's not on anything, you now have legal grounds to change the locks on the home. And right then and there, I had my amazing dad help me out. He spent a week with me really like safety proofing my house <laughs> to the uh, best ability that we could. And again, by the grace of God, I've never seen my ex-husband since that day. I've never had to see him in person. Uh, there was definitely communication because we had a separation agreement and then divorce. And there was a lot of things um you know, with that, like some of the stuff too, because even though his name wasn't on the home, he still could have come after it. But my attorney was awesome. And when we put together the separation agreement, because I freaking hate North Carolina for this, but you cannot file for divorce until you've lived apart for a year. Even though my ex-husband pulled a gun on me, I still had to live apart from him for a year before I could file for divorce. The, the whole thing is absolutely absurd. And there is nothing that protects you during that year unless they sign a separation agreement, which, by the way, they don't legally have to sign. So they can really do a lot of harm. But thank God I had an amazing attorney and he signed, but we still had to put things in that separation agreement that protected the home. So he waived any potential or future rights to go after anything with the home. And then also alimony. Because I, in my case, was also the breadwinner between the two of us. My attorney said if he wanted to, he could have come after me for alimony. Forget the fact that I nearly lost my life 
and the trauma and everything else that came with it. But, oh, by the way, you got to pay him money. And he can come after your home. F that. F that. No way. So I was very, very, very blessed in my situation. And again, I believe just uh, not by my doing, but by the doing of, of God and, and a higher power uh, beyond my own understanding and grasp. But it could have been so much worse than it was. And I've seen it firsthand. Uh, I've done over a thousand loans in my career. I've been in the business for a little over nine years now. And let me tell you, I have seen some rough, rough divorce breakup situations (laughs) pertaining to real estate. So a couple of the ones that I have and experienced Uh, I had a guy and he was married and he purchased a home for his mistress yeah how had that one wife didn't know nothing well guess what we did the refinance for the husband and wife uh, and uh, then did a whole other home purchase for the mistress How'd that one happen? Uh, had another one where the husband was purchasing a home with wife. And I'm saying wife, if you can't see it's in quotations, because it was the mistress who the husband and the mistress were pretending that she was the wife and was like, like fake ID, like fake signature, fake wife signature. I, you can't make this stuff up. It's crazy. Oh, this one too. So husband and wife in the process of getting divorced. So they're not divorced yet. And in the state of Florida, if you are purchasing a primary home or a secondary home, and until your divorce is finalized and recorded with the courts, if you're getting a mortgage, your soon-to-be ex-spouse has to sign acknowledgement of the mortgage. So... I was doing the loan for the mom. They had three little kids, and they were in the process of getting divorced, but not not divorced yet. And she was going out on her own, getting her own home, and the soon-to-be ex-husband had to come and sign acknowledgement of the mortgage on the day of closing. And let me tell you, That soon-to-be ex-husband ended up finding me on social media and sent me a very sexually explicit DM. And I'm like, sir, this is beyond inappropriate. One, I'm a loan officer. The the fact that you came and found me to send me that message, gross, rude, disrespectful, and Let's not forget the fact that you are not divorced yet. And I just did the loan for your soon-to-be wife. And your kids were there, too. Like, mind blown. Mind blown. Oh, 
Oh, uh, I had another kind of speaking of that whole Florida until your divorce is finalized. I've had people where they split from their spouse, but never actually got divorced for one reason or the other. And I had one guy, he lost the home because his soon-to-be ex-wife, who's been soon-to-be ex-wife for like 15 years, hates him so much that she actually refused to sign and he couldn't buy his house. And I had another client and their wife that they weren't with anymore, but not divorced, she made him pay her money before she would sign so he could buy his house. Like, it's insane. And it sucks because again, right? When you get married and you fall in love and you have a partner, you know, whether you believe in marriage or not, but you have a partner and you don't ever think it's going to turn that way. And it does. And not, and that's not me saying every situation turns out that way. There's plenty of great healthy, loving relationships out there. But if you happen to find yourself in a situation that turns and it's not so great, what do you do? Like, that's a mess. And especially if you're dealing with divorce stuff and forget if you have kids and now there's child support and what do you do with the, the parenting arrangement? And then where are you going to live? And you're dealing with all these big things and you're probably an emotional mess. I know I was. I was a wreck when I went through mine. I don't know how I functioned <laughs> and made it to work every day. I was crying all day. Like I was terrified. My whole body was just like on alert and drained and sad and scared and so the last thing you want to do and deal with is this all this real estate stuff um and and how does it all work because right when you when you're together whether that you got a family you have kids your husband and wife or your partners, you know, whatever it is, and you're living together, and now all of a sudden there's a breakup or a divorce or something that tears you guys apart. Well, now you got to figure out where you're living, where you're going. Is someone going to stay in the home you guys were already living in and someone else move? Or do you guys sell the home and then you each buy new ones? But what if someone's a stay-at-home parent and they don't have the income to be able to buy a home? I've seen, I have seen that too uh, on both ends, right? Stay-at-home dads and stay-at-home moms. And they end up in a divorce situation. And the working parent can qualify for a new mortgage just fine and the parent who had been a stay-at-home parent doesn't have the history or the income to be able to qualify for a mortgage what what happens then 
Uh, these are all different things to think about and consider. And how exactly does a, a divorce and a mortgage kind of like work with one another? Like, what are the nuances there? If you're getting divorced, not always do you have to have a copy of the divorce decree. But in some cases, let's say if you have to pay child support or you're receiving child support or alimony, paying or receiving, or if there's a division of assets or maybe a division of property, any of those kinds of things uh, an underwriter is going to want to see for your loan. So let's go over a couple of these. Alimony and child support. Let's talk if you're paying it first, if you're on the not fun end of it. Not that it's fun anyway, but it's probably a little extra not fun if you're the one having to pay it. So if you have to pay alimony or child support, it's actually going to be considered a debt on your debt-to-income ratio when you go to qualify for a new mortgage. So whether that's maybe you're refinancing the current home to get one party's name off it, or you're buying a new home down the road, if you're paying alimony or child support, you do have to disclose that we get a copy of the divorce decree, and we do have to count that payment in your debt-to-income ratio. So it is going to have a negative impact on how much you can qualify for. Now, in reverse, let's say you're the one receiving child support or alimony. In some cases, you can actually use this as qualifying income when you're getting a mortgage. There's some stipulations that have to be met with it, the first being, you have to have received these payments for at least six months on time and in full. So if the person paying is paying you late or they're not paying you the full amount, well, in those cases, you wouldn't be able to use it then for a mortgage. But if it's on-time payments received for at least six months or more and... There's going to be three years of continuance or more you can use that as qualifying income. And what do I mean when I say three years continuance? All that means is that from the day of closing, you will continue to or are likely to continue to receive that income for at least the next three years. Typically, the way I prove this to an underwriter, we get a copy of the divorce decree and then usually we get the birth certificates from the kids to confirm their age, uh, and, unless the divorce decree says so. Some people's divorces will actually spell out dates as far as when child support payments stop and start and how much. Others aren't that detailed. But basically, whether it's on the uh, divorce decree or child support order or if it's Again, maybe we get birth certificates to confirm ages, and then the divorce decree says up till they're 18, we can kind of piece it together and use that as income. And same with alimony. Alimony works in the, the same 
way, receiving or paying. Now, what about like separation of assets? That can get a little trickier because oftentimes just because your divorce decree might say, oh, this person's responsible for this debt and this person's responsible for this property. Sometimes until your name is off of those things, an underwriter don't care. Mm, mm, mm. I hate to say it that way, but sometimes they just, they don't. For example, uh, I, I have a client right now and they're divorced, been divorced for a long time. And the marital home was awarded to the wife, ex-wife. Well, ex-wife never took the mortgage out of the husband's name or the, their joint name. So the loan is still in the wife and the husband's name. And in this case, we had to go and we had to get 12 months of payments from the ex-wife to show that she has made the mortgage payment on time for the last 12 months out of her bank account in order to omit that payment from my buyer's debt-to-income ratio. What a pain. And in the divorce decree, it even stated that she was supposed to refinance that mortgage within like 45 days from the divorce date She was supposed to refinance it and put everything just in her name. And we're talking like 15 years later, and that still hasn't been done. I would do it, you guys. If if something like that, like, yeah, just from the loan officer side of things and also coming from someone who's been through it personally, I know it can suck having to push them to refinance something. Like in my case, it wasn't the house, but we had a car. We had a car that we had together. And in our divorce, he got full liability of the car, and he had a certain number of days to refinance the loan to take me off of it. And I pushed for it. And I pushed and pushed and pushed, and I had the legal right too. Because guess what? If he missed a payment... That affected me. Affected my credit score if he missed a payment. They don't care. Let me tell you, lenders, underwriters, not that they don't care, but they're given guidelines and they have to work within these guidelines. And let's say, it, let's say like my case, right? Maybe you had a joint auto loan. It was supposed to be refinanced and they didn't do it. And they missed a payment and you didn't pay it because you're like, well, they're financially responsible for it. Guess what? It still hits your credit score and it's still going to show up as a late payment when your lender pulls your credit. And depending on how badly that impacts your credit, it's going to impact your ability to get a mortgage. It sucks. It's not fair, but it is, it just is what it is. Uh, you know, so really be cautious of that, like your separation of assets. And I would definitely say push and try if you have joint debt, get, get the, get your names 
off it and get it separated because it can have a potentially negative impact for you when you go to get your mortgage. So what are some tips for navigating a divorce or a breakup or just navigating when you're purchasing with a partner of any kind? From personal experience, pick a home with a mortgage payment that can be afforded with just one salary. And in this case, I don't suggest this just because like, oh, you're going to get divorced. Like, like in my case where I got divorced and thank God I had a mortgage that I could afford with just my salary. But what if something happens? Or what if one of the parents wants to be a stay-at-home parent when you have kids? All these different things to consider. You know, you don't want to be house poor. Give yourself a little bit of breathing room, right? If you need both incomes to qualify for the mortgage and you're pushing both incomes up to its absolute maximum, that really doesn't give you much way of breathing room if anything comes up in life, let alone... A, a divorce or a breakup, you know, just saying, give your guys self a little breathing room. If that means you have to give up a couple things, you know, for the home, maybe some of your must-haves become just, you know, this would be nice to have. It might not be a bad idea to put yourself in that kind of situation. Uh, another tip, and I might get a little flack for this one. Uh, again, you guys do not have to take this advice. It's just some things to consider. <clears throat> but prenup. I feel like prenup's like a dirty word. Sometimes you say prenup and people are like, oh. Oh, if I have to send a prenup, they don't love me. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to give my opinion on it. But look, it is a tool that's out there. When you're getting married, you can include things with real estate. Like you can almost like kind of plan out like, you know, we don't want this to happen. We're not definitely not going to try for it to happen. But if it happens, if we do end up getting a divorce... Well, we have a prenup that already spells out how we're going to deal and divvy up our real estate. You don't have to. I'm just saying it's there. It's an option. It could make things easier if you happen to be in this situation uh, leading to, to a divorce. Protect yourself. And what do I mean by that? I mean... I have seen ones where, one, all the time actually, where a husband and wife, or husband, husband, wife, wife, partners <laughs> come together, and for one reason or another, only one of them's going to go on the mortgage, the loan, but they're both going to go on the deed of the home. I'm not a fan of this option in particular 
Uh, the reason I'm not is because now you both have ownership in the home, but only one of you holds financial responsibility in it. I have seen way too many people get screwed over here. Yeah, I, I just have. So, again, this is between you guys. It's between your relationship. But consider protecting yourself. You know, maybe you meet with an attorney. You have another agreement drawn up, right? Like, say my, my ex-husband and I, right? I was lucky he didn't get put on the deed or the mortgage. And I was more than okay with that because, again, it was my money that I saved up for the down payment, my name on the loan, my butt on the line if something happens and I don't pay that loan, not his. So I wanted that ownership. Um, you know, so just protect yourself there, but mainly... Talk about it with your partner. What feels right for you guys? You know, again, we don't ever want or hope that this is something that's going to happen to us. From someone who got married thinking it was there happily forever after, and it wasn't, sometimes life throws you curveballs. So I try to prepare for those curveballs as best as I can. Uh, now later in life. And one other tip. I have seen and talked to hundreds of people whose credit is ruined because of a significant other. Protect your credit. Maybe think twice before co-signing for someone. Because if you co-sign and they don't pay, you're still responsible for it. All the time I hear, oh, my ex racked up so much debt and this and that, and I'm not going to pay it because it's not mine. And I'm like, well, ma'am, you co-signed. That's you saying it's yours. It's yours. Ugh. That was one thing my mom told me when I was going through my divorce was, thank God I did not have much of any joint debt. Literally the only joint debt my ex-husband and I had was the one car. I refused to have joint credit cards. I, he tried he wanted me to open up all kinds of credit cards and this and that because I had the good credit and he did not. And I am so beyond thankful that I didn't. And even with that car, remember, I had the legal separation agreement too that he was financially responsible for the car. And my mama sat me down and she goes, I am telling you, you watch that. If he doesn't make that car payment, Leah, you make it. And I'm like, what do you mean I make it? He's responsible for it. And she goes, so are you. Until he refinances and gets you off, you are just as responsible for it 
and the creditors and your credit score, they don't care what your separation agreement says. And she's right. And that is also why I push so hard. And I'm like, you need to refinance, refinance this because not only is, did we legally agree upon it, but I didn't want to get stuck having to make that car payment for him to be driving. And now I definitely think of it like, I've never been one to like share joint debt with someone else, even a significant other. And now I definitely won't. I'm sorry. Future husband, if you are out there listening, I don't know, maybe. Who knows if I'll ever even get married again, honestly. But definitely whether I do or don't, I'm going to tell you, I ain't having no joint debt with, with no one. And yeah, <laughs> let's just say when you go through one divorce and especially the kind of divorce I went through with the kind of relationship I went through, it does change uh, <laughs> your outlook or your opinions on things. I definitely have a much, much different opinion now than I used to. Also, I have read so many divorce decrees and just talking with so many different people and clients about their own situations. Uh, I'm just like, okay, I have heard enough. I know, like, and I love love. I love being in love. I love having a partner. It, it's one of, it's an incredible feeling uh, makes me feel very fulfilled, but I am also very much a realist and I know what's out there and what can go wrong. And I want to take the precautions to protect myself. I want my partner to protect his self as well. And just, uh, it'd be nice to not have to worry about this aspect of it. And we can just focus on our, our building a healthy, <laughs> loving, kind relationship uh, where hopefully we take some of this stress with real estate and that kind of stuff just kind of off the table as, as much as possible, I should say. Well, that's a little bit of my story. There's a lot more to it, but... I think that was a good little chunk to share with you guys today. Be a little open. Be a little vulnerable. Uh, it, it really has made a gigantic impact on my life in both a, obviously a bad, horrible, traumatic way, but also a good way because I definitely believe for myself personally and for other people as well, the greatest blessings in my life have come from and through the darkest moments in my life. And I think it can be the same for anyone else. If for as much as I've heard horrible nightmare stories from clients, I've heard beautiful love stories from clients too. And there's a flip side, and I've had clients I've helped through divorces and then later have gotten to help them, you know, down the road with something else. And I had one, and they were going through a divorce, and I did the loan. They each they sold a home, each bought a new home, 
did the loan for both of them. And then a couple years later, she has a new partner and they just had a beautiful baby. And I've been helping them get ready to maybe buy their home as a family. So there's beautiful stories out there too. They're not all <laughs> grim and nightmare and like, ooh. And there's beautiful marriages out there and there's beautiful relationships out there. They're not all doom and gloom. But I know it's, it's tricky, it's emotional, it's hectic. So if you guys ever want a listening ear or a loan officer who's personally been through it, like I said, not, not even just the divorce, but an abusive relationship on top of it, um, I can offer a lot of sympathy, a lot of guidance, and just be there. Right, like sometimes it's nice to just talk with someone, whether uh, it's a friend, a family member, or a professional, who is non-judgmental and who just kind of gets it. And it's like, I get what you're feeling, and I see it, and it's here, and it's a safe space to feel and process those things. I kind of, it's kind of like therapy. In fact, uh, being a mortgage loan officer is a little bit like being a therapist. So uh, I always want my clients or the people I talk to, the people who uh, listen or follow me or subscribe, like I want you guys to know that I'm a non-judgmental loan officer. I've seen it all. I've heard it all. And I've been through it too. I don't have a pretty past. Most of us don't. Uh, but we're all in this together. And at the end of the day, you're talking to me because obviously you're doing something with a home, we're trying to buy a home or refinance, or we're doing something that's hopefully very beneficial and a good move in your life. So if this is something you're looking for, if this is something you're interested in, you can always reach out to me. Uh, I've got an email, lendingwithleah at gmail.com. Leah is L-E-A-H. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, all of the above, and Lending with Leah across the board. So go reach out, click follow, subscribe, like, listen, whatever you guys want to do. And we'll see you again next week for the next episode. Hopefully that one will be a little brighter. We'll play some magic sounds for you guys at the beginning of that one. Have a good one.